Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Pam. And I'm Tanya. We're all property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting about anything and everything property. Now, again, Pam and Tanya have agreed to jump in and help me out where Stuart is still still off recovering. So Stuart, I hope your recovery is going well and hopefully you'll be able to join me again on Business of Property podcast very soon. But until then, Pam and Tanya have agreed to talk for a while again. And one of their many property claims to fame is that they run Crawley Property Meet, which is, or has been in the distant past, a real live in-person meetup for landlords and property people around Crawley and sort of the surrounding area. They're fantastic meetups. And then, of course, COVID arrived and the world became rather more distant. And Pam and Tanya did a fantastic job of taking Crawley Property Meet online. And you, you guys have been, been running online events over Zoom for free for the, the duration of the pandemic. And that is until last month when what happened tell me guys (laughs) live yay (laughs) so so were you pleased to be back in a real room with other property people it was lovely actually it was very very nice it was funny because everyone said oh it was just so lovely but everyone said they were nervous at first because no one had been in a room of about 30 people or 35 people for such a long time. But we hired a very big room from the hotel and we had all the seating based apart according to regulations. And everyone was happy. But, oh, you know, by the end of it, they were all hugging each other and everything again. So. <laughs> yeah, not quite sticking to the social distancing then. <laughs> no, it was... <laughs> But, but every, everyone really, really, really appreciated it. And of course, we had Jill Fielding speaking. So that was a real bonus for us as well. Yeah, I was really disappointed to, to miss it. So as is typically the way, of course, I have had COVID in the last couple of weeks. I'll probably talk more about that on this podcast when Stuart is back and we can compare war stories. But I was being very careful to not get COVID. I was sort of staying away from in-person events. And indeed, I had said to, to you guys, that was why I wasn't going to be able to to make it to your probably property meet. And then as it happens, there was also a parents' evening, re- remote parents' evening that night as well, which added to my timetabling conflicts. But I was so disappointed to miss out on coming along and talking to property people again and listening to Jill talking. Because I've, I've not seen her talk before, but I, I know you guys have, have quite close relationships with her and, and know her very well. First of all, who is Jill? Let's tell everyone who this mystery, exciting person is. <laughs> so Jill is Jill Fielding. And we've known Jill for quite a long time now, probably, well, over 10 years, I'd say, Yeah. because she was our property trainer. And Pam and I actually met because of Jill, because we both did our training through, then it was the Fielding Financial Family, and now it's just Fielding Financial. I was coming at it as a complete novice, not having bought an investment property before, but having worked with lots of property investors. And I met Jill... Somebody invited me to a shindig, kind of like a, <laughs> in London, three-day event where lots of different speakers were. And it was all for women and about wealth and women and how to create wealth. And she was the person who spoke, stood up and I recognised her off the telly because she'd been on Secret Millionaires when that programme was out probably kind of 12, is it 12, 13 years ago now. And she was one of the, the original Secret Millionaires. 
if anyone's not seen that program, it was where they basically found millionaires that nobody knew about and then they kind of took all their money away from them and everything and locked them for a week or so in an area. For her, she went back to where she was born, basically, which was not very salubrious area in uh, east end of London. And then they basically had to go around living life as a normal human being again. Because, of course, millionaires don't, don't live as normal human beings. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, you know, like, the, like the rest of us. <laughs> Maybe not like the rest of us, but how a lot of the population live, which is on the breadline. So it's a very, really good insight. And, then, and it was interesting to see how she coped with that. And I remembered her from that programme when I saw her stand up and speak. And that's where my property journey began, was when I signed up to a three-day event that she was running, that she still runs. And then I did the full training that she offers, which is where kind of a lot of our knowledge and expertise comes from, isn't it, Pam? Yeah, and I did a similar thing. I saw an ad in the Metro. I had some properties, but I just wanted to make the journey quicker, and basically, and easier. So I thought, well, might as well try this. And I also went to the three-day course, and then I also did the full course. And that's where we met, yeah. I'm always slightly sceptical of property training because you see a, a lot of it is sort of get rich quick overnight and yeah. no money down and, yeah. and buy a property on your credit card and rather concerning things like that. So hopefully you, you can reassure me that, that, that Jill doesn't go for sort of property uh, training and, and marketing. What was sort of her, her approach? So firstly, her company is a not-for-profit company. All the profits she plows back into business. But her training's not cheap at all. And But she does actually teach us how to do it with not putting any of your own money in. And Tanya, I don't think you've put any of your own money in, have you? No, no. But she, she just teaches you how to do it professionally, actually. Mm. And a very, very good thing about the whole thing is the network because, you know, we've got a Facebook group and WhatsApp groups. And often property is a lonely journey. But then if you've got the support network, if, if you need any advice from any or, or any support, you can just find it within the fielding financial it's, it's really good from that point of view yeah yeah and and she teaches how to work with other people's money p- properly so yeah. so as it's you know you know how to respect the money and not take risks with other people's money and i mean obviously property there are risks involved but how you can mitigate that as much as possible and it's actually one of the reasons why we're not purchasing at the moment really because we don't think the market is stable enough to warrant or to risk other people's money at the moment, to be fair, unless it's within a deal that we've already got up and running and we know pays for itself and all that kind of stuff mm. and we're swapping angel money in and out and things like that. Or it's with the, suggesting people go with certain people we know have got deals going up that are already up and running and, and working well. But for ourselves, we think that we feel that it wouldn't be right to work with other people's money at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But what Jill was talking about the other day, she was saying basically now it's time to just reset your strategy. So in fielding, there are certain strategies like she's got a pyramid. The bottom level is buy to let, and that generates income for you. And then the next one is called buff and fluff. If you take a slightly rundown property and just give it a lick of paint and maybe a new kitchen bathroom, that's called buff and fluff. But that it could be a capital strategy because you can sell it and make a chunk of money. Then the next one above that is an income strategy again, which is HMOs. 
And then above that is a big capital project and, and then fancy pants deals at the top. And she was just saying, basically, the world has changed so much since COVID and Brexit and all these things. And we really need to just reset our strategies now and, and just think how you're going to move forward. And be prepared to kind of pivot and swivel and pirouette and not be too fixed. Kind of think about the bag of strategies that you have. She did also say she's never seen the market like this. Yeah. In her four, more than 40 years, she's never seen the market like this. She was yeah, very much saying that. But then she went through saying things like two bedrooms in uh, July, two bedroom properties have gone up by 1%. Three and four bedroom properties went up by about 0.3 to four bedroom. But four bedroom and more properties actually went down. So basically, she thinks that people are now going back into the office and they don't need these big, big houses or they maybe they can't afford them. So because the smaller properties are going up in value, now's a good time to sell them if you've got some that you want to sell. And a lot of people used to buy very close to train stations and, you know, good transport links. That's changed. The domestic people have changed now because they're not going into the office so, so much. And it just life is in or property world is in such upheaval at the moment you know just when the stamp duty was coming to an end the the stamp duty holiday and normally a, a property takes about i don't know four or five months to sell or, or to the you know from the time your offers accepted and in that last month or so they were taking on average did she say like 22 days or something the solicitors were getting them done so quickly she said people are going, because they, uh, the solicitors managed to do that so quickly, people are going to say, now, actually, we want it done quickly. We're not going to go back to waiting four or five months or anything. You know, and domestic people will see that as well. So if you're a professional, you need to up your game now. Be ready with the money in the background to just go and snap it up and make it happen, basically. Yeah, yeah. But, but she was saying you could do something called a conditional exchange, which is, you basically exchange quickly and then say conditional on searches, all coming through, okay, you can exchange, uh, which is a domestic person won't know that. And that you've got the advantage of speed by doing that. Or you can do a lease option, which is also can be done quickly. Or what was the other thing? Oh, an indemnity policy. So it's no, a no search indemnity. So you take out this policy and you just don't do the searches. So that's much quicker. And also what you should do if you want to do this quickly is check with the lenders that have a very quick admin turnaround, you know, because and, and just choose those lenders. Yes, they might be charging you slightly more in interest or what they might not, but they might. But proactively go and look for those lenders that have got a good admin team because that will help you because domestic people want to move quickly now because they've just been used to it in the last few months. So that was interesting. It was interesting because from my perspective, moving last year, so the first house that we were going to buy was it took five months to get to the point of not exchanging with them. <laughs> a lot of that was waiting around for the survey and for the searches because people, you know, the surveyors were either on the go slow or couldn't get into houses or whatever it was. They were really booked up. And then the searches were just taking forever because the council was work working from home. But then the second house that we, we we ended up in temporary accommodation, 
in a very nice village outside of Ludlow in a converted barn. So it wasn't too bad, not too shabby. And we'd already found the house that we were, the second house we were trying to buy. And that went through in two months. And what happened with that one was that one, we didn't have the survey because the people we were buying on off had a survey done only a year and a half and they were selling because they would, COVID would have destroyed their relationship, I think. And, and they'd only lived in the house for a year and a half. So we relied on that. And then with the searches after sitting on our hands for about a month, I ended up phoning up the council and said, look, I'm homeless. <laughs> you know, I'm lit. Literally, if we don't get this done soon, we're going to be, you know, this is, this is quite a desperate situation. And as soon as we said that, a day later, we got the searches through from the council. Oh, brilliant. So either get, get on with it and run these searches or you're going to have to find me a home. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, basically. <laughs> and I was very lucky because the lady I was talking to at the council, she was selling her house as well, going through the process. So we had a lovely 20 minute chat about the nightmare it all is. And then she said, oh, right. She said, yeah, just get your guy to phone me and tell me who you are and I'll get them sent through to you. <laughs> you know, but the, the, the thing about moving into the countryside, I did find that the solicitors were not happy to do anything that wasn't absolutely according to the book. So we were talking to them about doing a delayed completion or, a you know, subject to completion and stuff like that. They weren't prepared because we couldn't book our removal van because everything was in storage. We couldn't book anything until that we had an, had a, had exchanged. Anyway, long it was a bit of a palaver, but we got there in the end. But yeah, so Jill, Jill basically was saying this is a really unusual market, and if you can find people who really need to sell and you can move fast, then you're going to do well. But she doesn't. She's she couldn't make any predictions about whether prices were going to still were still going to rocket up or whether they're going to suddenly plummet or anything. She's you know. I think that's a very sensible approach. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, overall they will go up because you know in time because they always have gone up. But one thing she did actually mention was about service accommodation. She said uh, she looked at some areas in the southwest and she said she looked online and she said there was something like about 300 service accommodation rental places available compared with about five long-term rental accommodation places available. And, you know, councils don't like that because they, they need to house their people. So she feels that legislation uh, is going to come in like licensing for service accommodation just to limit the numbers because they're just almost too much and too little rental accommodation. Yeah, I've seen rumours around for that. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're not under the same obligations as landlords are to, no. you know, to improve their properties. And they have much lower kind of things like... All the health and safety stuff. And yeah, all the health and safety things. So fire precautions and all that kind of stuff. You're perfectly OK for you to, to die in a fire in a, <laughs> when you're on holiday, yeah. but not, not if you're there permanently. Yeah. <laughs> And but and she also thought that we're moving a bit more like how Europe owns their houses. You know how not so many of them own their houses. They're big, big companies own lots of properties. And you know how Lloyds Bank have said they're going to buy fifty thousand properties. And John yeah. Lewis are doing a good thing. Do, do you know how John Lewis are taking their shops that they don't need anymore and they're converting them into flats, which is quite good. And uh, you know, obviously putting. John Lewis furniture in them all. And they say they're going to build 10,000 houses. Whereas 
Lloyds are buying 50,000 houses. They're not building, they're buying, whereas at least John Lewis is um, building them, which is good. Yeah, actually creating the extra homes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that is basically our competition. But because we are smaller, we're sort of quicker and slicker. You know, can you imagine in a if you rent a house from Lloyd's and you need to get a, a, a light bulb changed, how many layers of admin that's going to be? So um, she didn't think it was a problem for us that we've got this huge competition of these big, big companies, which is just fine, you know. And she also actually advised looking at the student market because Tanya, did you say someone who you know is staying in a, a student is staying in a hotel? Yeah. Did you say- it's funny actually. She she commented on Bristol that because there are so many students coming through this year, I'm surprised they are because I'd be really put off kind of student life at the moment where, where everyone has to be locked down and you know. <laughs> I mean, last year must have been an absolute nightmare being a, a fresher. But yeah, no, she was saying that how there were so many students for. The, that have to be taken on because of what went on with A levels and stuff like that. That there's but there's no accommodation. And she was talking about in Bristol. She had a newspaper article in Bristol that they were renting hotels in Bath of all places, which which I went to Bath, you know, Bath College of Higher Education for my art degree. And accommodation was always difficult in Bath. But apparently there's some empty hotels that they've kind of booked outright, and they're putting students in there. And weirdly, I was talking to a friend of mine whose nephew, she lives in Bristol, and her nephew had just been sleeping on her sofa for two weeks because he'd just got a place at one of the universities or colleges there. And he was in exactly that situation. He couldn't get accommodation and he was just being moved to the accommodation they booked in Bath. So what Jill was basically, if you can get to set up student accommodation around the place, that can be good as well. But it's at the moment, it's you need to find the properties. I mean, it's, you know, I, I had a whale of a time, didn't I, Pam, Con- constantly trying to get book it, you know, to go and actually see properties and <laughs> couldn't get to see any, anything. Yeah, then yeah. suddenly I had agents phoning me around here. And so I'm, I'm just, it's interesting to see what's happening with the market now, putting the feelers out for things. Yeah. But she did say that you, Kaz, said there's going to be a, a 40% increase in students by 2025. So if anyone wants to get into student HMOs, now could be a good time, you know, because where are those students going to stay, you wonder? And actually, our HMOs in Nottingham, we had an empty room. And uh, honestly, we, we had so many students, like PhD and master's students apply. And it's not that close to the university, but they just really are desperate for accommodation, um, or they were this year, they've probably all mostly sorted themselves it's kind out. Of, it was actually. overseas people, wasn't it? They were arriving and then suddenly realising that, that it, accommodation wasn't quite so easy to to find as well, and stuck in a hotel yeah. paying 90 quid a night. Yeah, so yeah, it was a really, really lovely meeting. It was lovely and, yeah. seeing everybody, and everybody, as, as Pam said, this whole thing about, you know, you kind of have to make it up yourself as far as social distancing and everything. It, it's just impossible, it, you know. If unless we've got strict rules that anybody can in, enforce, or that we all follow, it was it, it was impossible to do it. We had a big, a massive room, you know. We had we had to take on like two knock together rooms because they had like a partition panel kind of thing which they put, took out, and obviously pay the extra for that. But by the end of the evening, you know, the social distancing. Well, there was no social distancing really. I did feel for, for Jill, to be honest, because she this was her first outing because she's got a, an autoimmune condition and it was her first outing for a, 
for a year or so amongst people and i you know it's a bit overwhelming first of all seeing all those people but also then you know people being quite more touchy-feely than i think that she really wanted them to be to be fair yeah i, I think that's going to be very difficult going forward isn't it how to help others to know what your boundaries are uh, and you say some people will just be desperate for the human contact and and be happy that they're safe yeah. enough but then there are other people who may actually want the human contact or may not but they may feel they aren't safe in that environment and it's it's how do we yeah. how do we as, as individuals i mean sort of manage those interactions and work out where everybody's boundaries are for, for, for the time being and going forward uh, yeah and, and be sensitive yeah. to i mean i it's i always think it's being sensitive to the person who's the least you know who's like the slowest in the pack or whatever <laughs> you know the person mm-hmm. who's the, feels the least confident i mean i actually said at the beginning you know can everyone wear, wear masks because that's what jill wanted and nobody did except for me and you and pam and and nick and phil i think they were about the only ones who put our masks on yeah actually i was after run then because you know i'm still checking in the stragglers so i didn't even hear that no it's a shame if, if you actually go to the effort of asking people it's hmm. a shame that they won't won't do that well i don't that think they really even have them on them to be honest and i yeah I, I mean i suppose that could be a problem couldn't it because a lot yeah. of a lot of people assume you you don't need them at the moment. So. Yeah, or have decided that they don't want to. So that's that, that's that. I mean, I, I've also spent a couple of weeks in a hotel doing a training course recently. The policy for us in the training course was that we all had to have our I want to call it an EPC, but it's not. You know, the the one where you stick the cotton bud up your nose and check, check lateral flow test. Lateral flow. Lateral flow test. Yes, not yeah. an EPC. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's quite different. <laughs> Yeah, so we all had to do that twice a week. And when we were in close, close proximity, like looking over someone's shoulder at a computer or whatever, we had to put our masks on. But around the hotel, they were having lots of conferences. And one night in particular, we were in such a busy room with all the conference people as well. And, you know, I felt lucky to have got away with nothing, catching nothing in that that couple of weeks. So given that in-person events are still a bit tricky, are you planning to do any more? Yes, we've got another one coming up. Yeah. And I think we might put our mask policy or our you know, expectations on the forum just to make sure that everybody understands to bring a mask and to, to wear it in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've got uh, Rita and Ami coming to speak next week at Crawley Property. So that will be very nice as well. You know, uh, unfortunately, this it. is going to go out after that. So do you, do you know who's coming next, the one after <laughs> We don't know, no, we, we don't know that far no. ahead, no. I don't think. But Rita and Ami are going to be talking about a deal that they've done, a conversion and everything that they've done. So it would be a real deal that's going to be talk- talked about. Because that's what we have. We tend to have people coming in talking about something very specific to do with property or, you know, the market. Or we also love to have a few real deals in the mix through the year. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's always fascinating yeah. to, to see what other people have actually been doing, especially when they've been doing sort of renovation type projects and sort of more more involved things i do do like those events they're they're really good yeah yeah they're great for sparking conversation among the attendees as well yes to sort of start sharing war stories (laughs) (laughs) absolutely okay so we've we've run over the time we we (laughs) planned to record again (laughs) despite at the beginning not being sure if we were going to fill the time but it's been a fantastic conversation thank you very much pam and tanya there will be links to crawley property meet and, and some more information on that if anyone's interested in the show notes, which can be found at thebusinessofproperty.com. 
And other than that, I would just like to, to ask everyone to please leave a, a rating and review in whatever podcast software you're listening on. Um, we really do appreciate it. It really does help spread the word of the Business of Property podcast. And we will talk to you again next week.